Welcome to Wendell's World in Sports. Let's be great. Let's be great. An entertaining and provocative look into the world of sports and beyond. Play our game. All right, play hard, but stay poised. Please feel free to go over to Apple iTunes and rate and review. Your feedback is welcome. Go rock this thing, huh? Love you, man. Go get it. And now, the host of the program from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to discuss today, not just in the world of sports, but in the world in general. The coronavirus running rampant, running wild on our world, in this country, Italy's on lockdown, China, all over the continent, all over the globe. This epidemic, this pandemic is taking its toll on folks' everyday lives. Out here living in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States, myself, I am facing the harsh reality of what this virus means, not just to me personally, but also in my financial situation. I work for the Clark County School District. I'm a substitute teacher. And as of Monday, the governor, Steve Sisolak, decided that the schools had to be closed. So for the next three weeks, yours truly will not be receiving a paycheck. So I'm going to see what I have to do about finding a way to uh, go ahead and to you know, survive this three-week hiatus, this unwanted vacation, this unpaid, unwanted vacation that I'm going to be put on. And look, I understand it. I'm not bitching and moaning. I think Sisolak made the right decision. I think anybody, any governor, mayor, whoever is in charge of the school districts across the country, across the world, are making the right decision in what they're doing. And I've heard people all along talking about, well, this is this is so ridiculous. This is just a flu. We're overreacting. And I tell people all the time, look, man, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Now, here in the United States, where the number of cases and the deaths concerning this virus are rising, I understand that people are sitting there talking about, you know, because their everyday lives are being interrupted. So when everyday lives are being interrupted and being put into that annoyance type of um, humor that they're going to be in, you're going to have to blame somebody. You're going to have to put your anger, you're going to have to direct your anger towards somebody. And sometimes when you direct that anger and when you're speaking about that anger and when you're trying to express the way that you're feeling because you can't do the things that you want to do, you can't go to the places that you want to go, your normal routine is out of whack, you're going to be looking for someone to blame. And you're going to be saying such things concerning the coronavirus. Well, it's not that big of a deal. It's only the flu. Only certain people of an age or of a medical conditions or if you have a weak immune system can get it. And, you know, we're speaking about being self-quarantined and we don't know exactly how we get this virus. We don't know exactly how to get rid of this virus without self-quarantining ourselves. So there's so many people coming up with so many different excuses about, you know, what we need to do with the virus, where we need to go with the virus in terms of ridding ourselves of this pandemic. How long is this going to last? Is this going to last two weeks, two months, six months? What's going on? What's going down? It's just something right now where we're just in the beginning stages of what's happening with this virus. And I don't know. I am completely ignorant when it comes to the virus, the coronavirus. I'm only doing the things that the people, the folks who are studying this virus, who are studying these types of diseases or plagues or viruses, whatever you want to call it. I'm just doing 
what they're telling us to do and what they're telling the world and this country in particular what to do. I am not an expert on uh, pandemic viruses. I don't know. I have no idea in terms of the coronavirus. I can't speak with any intelligence about what we need to do to rid ourselves of this virus. I don't know anything about that. So the only thing that I can do is put my trust in what the folks, the doctors and the scientists and whoever are studying these things who have been doing it for decades. All I can do and all you should be doing is taking the advice of these doctors. It just floors me. It just makes me scratch my head. I'm just dumbfounded when I see people out here who are talking about, who have no idea about any of this stuff, sitting up there talking about going against what the doctors and what the scientists and what the people who are studying these diseases, studying this virus, who's had decades of high-level performance of studying and dealing with these viruses and dealing with these outbreaks, these folks who have absolutely no idea what the fuck they're talking about are sitting up there contradicting or saying that these folks that are studying this virus, what they're telling us to do is wrong. I don't understand that. St. Patty's Day, St. Patrick's Day here in the United States, these folks were going to bars, these folks were in contact with close people and big crowds. I mean, what the fuck are you people doing? I mean, how fucking stupid are you? How ignorant are you? How ridiculously dumb are you to be doing this? Well, it's no big deal. I've got a strong immune system. I'm young enough to where even if I get it, I won't be able to pass it on to anybody else. All of these ignorant comments and statements and rationale on why they're doing this. Don't you fucking idiots understand that by conjugating in a large in a large crowd like this, doing what the doctors totally tell you not to do? You're not helping us get rid of the virus. You're helping to expand what the virus can do. You're helping to keep us more self-quarantined. You're keeping us more in the dark. You're keeping us more locked down and not being able to do the things that we want to do. Do you fucking idiots understand that? Are you so stupid? Are you so selfish? Your lack of awareness is so grossly incompetent, so high that you're actually going to just say fuck it to the folks who are trying to tell us to get healthy? When you yourself have no experience, no education, no knowledge about what the hell to do to fight this thing, it, it, it just infuriates me to no end. So for people who are listening to this podcast, for you who are listening to this podcast, look, you ain't a doctor, you ain't a scientist, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Listen to the folks who know what's going on, quarantine yourselves, and go ahead and do that. And let's just hope that this ends Let's just hope that this ends. And you know what? If it turns out that maybe the scientists and the folks and the medical uh, practitioners and everybody else who were studying this virus, maybe when everything is all said and done, maybe they were overreacting and what we needed to do to help get rid of this virus or to keep it under wraps or, you know, to go ahead and get us back to our normal lives. Maybe this self-quarantine is not... Is, is, is too much going overboard or maybe not conjugating and maybe some of the things that the school system are doing or that the sports leagues are doing or that the owners of the casinos and the hotels on the strip are doing or maybe folks who are owning bars or maybe these governors or these mayors or people who are making these decisions to basically shut down everything maybe in two weeks two months at the end of at the end of the summer whenever this is going to be over, maybe we'll look back and say, yeah, you know what, some of the things that were instituted for us to do to stay safe 
were that of an overreaction. But you know what? I would rather have an overreaction to what's going on with this virus than to be so cavalier and ignorant about it and help it spread some more. Because you know, not just in this, in this country, but in the entire world, if we bent to the whims of folks who don't know anything about what this virus can do, the potency of this virus, the strengths of this virus, if we buck what the practitioners who are trying to solve this virus, if we went ahead and said, ah, you know what the hell with you guys, or if the scientists or the medical professionals who are do dealing with this pandemic said, ah, you know what, we don't want to make anybody angry, or we don't want to have society turn ugly, or we don't want to have anything, you know, negative come our way. So you know what, while it's probably a good idea for those who come down with the coronavirus to self-quarantine themselves for two weeks, uh, you know what, let's go ahead and make it one week. Or, you know, we don't want to go ahead and get on the wrong side of the fucking idiot that's in the White House right now, where first he said it was a hoax, then he said this was nothing more than the Democrats trying to smear him because they're upset because they didn't impeach him, or maybe this is no big deal, and once the summer comes, all of this will go away, or if you pray hard enough, and if you try really hard, then you can go ahead and get rid of the virus, and there's no need for you. If you do have the virus to stay at home, you can go ahead and go to work, or this fucking moron who this incompetent fool that these idiots in this country put in the White House sitting there talking about, well, you know, the cases aren't that strong. The cases aren't that high. This is not a big deal. Who cares? And the state government known as Fox News and the Sean Hannity's and the Laura Ingram's and the other idiots who are up there reporting the news are saying this is no big deal. This is nothing more than a flu. This is just an overreaction. This is just something made up by the Democrats to smear Trump. This is just something that's going to be heading toward the election that the Democrats can use, so that's the reason why they're doing fear-mongering. All of this misinformation, all of this uneducated nonsense, garbage that people are spewing for whatever reason that they have, if the folks who are studying the experts who are studying this virus said, you know what, let's go ahead and let's just play to their whims. Let's just go ahead and appease those folks. And this turns to be a lot worse. And then in six months, or God forbid, eight months, or a year from now, that this stuff really does become the second coming of the Black Plague. Or maybe it is something that has catastrophic uh, consequences because of people's incompetence, because of people bowing down to the morons and to the idiot that we have in the White House and to the irresponsible journalists that we have on a certain news station. Maybe because of the their... Maybe because of their thoughts and their feelings about what the virus is all about, for whatever reason. If the scientists said, you know what, let's just side on what they're going to be doing. Let's just go ahead and make sure that everyday Americans aren't too, aren't, aren't too uncomfortable in their everyday. Let's, let's see what we can do to add some comfort. And then six, eight, six to eight months later, we found out that, you know what, shit, maybe we should have self-quarantined. Maybe we should have done this. Maybe we should have done that. The people who come down with the disease, the people who come down with this, this, with this virus, the people who have died, the loved ones who have died, they would be all over these people saying, why didn't you take the precaution? Why didn't you do everything humanly possible? Why didn't you almost overreact to make sure that we were safe? Why didn't you almost overreact to make sure that this virus didn't spread? Why were you so cavalier? Why were you so indifferent 
in terms of what we needed to do to make sure that we got rid of this virus and everything went back to normal as soon as possible. That would have been the argument. That would have been, you would have seen the same fucking morons who were sitting there talking about it's no big deal, it's something that the, that the Democrats made up. You can go ahead, it's nothing more than a little bit of the flu. Six to eight months later, when catastrophe would really hit, then we would really be in, uh, in, a, in a horrible uh, uh, horrible situation because of this virus. The same idiots that were talking about no big deal would be blaming the CDC, would be blaming everybody else saying, why didn't you properly prepare us to go ahead and make sure that all I's were dotted and all T's were crossed in terms of making sure that this epidemic, this pandemic didn't spread. So you know what? I am doing the right thing in terms of listening to the experts. And I have myself right now quarantined here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now I'll go out, but I'll tell you one thing. I ain't going to go out when there's hard, when there's people, you know, walking the streets. I ain't going to be going out in large groups of people. When they said about 50 people at the max. Well, for me, it's like, you know what? If I see, see more than 15, 16, 17 people, I'm O-U-T out. I got my stuff, man. I got my food. I got everything that I need to last me for the week. And, when I go ahead and if I need to refuel or if I need to go ahead and restock the cabinets and the refrigerator and the freezer, you best believe that I'm going to be going to my local grocery store late at night when there's hardly anybody around because I don't want to be catching nothing from nobody and I want to take every precaution that I can. And I'm also going to do this, you know, for me living in Las Vegas, I am going to start going out to some rural areas and see what they got. I'm going to be going up to Moapa Valley, which is about 45 minutes away. They got a little shopping store. They got a little grocery store down in their community. And I'm going to go down there. That's a small community. So I know people aren't going to be looting and lottering. And I'm quite sure that they're going to have some meat and they're going to have some other things that I could possibly get. I'm going to go up to Mesquite, Nevada, where I spent the last, I don't know, month doing a lot of teaching out there, but I'm going to be going up there, taking a look and go to their Walmarts and go to their grocery stores and see what I can do to find some things. I am going to think outside the box in terms of what I can do to make my self-quarantined self as comfortable as possible until this thing, whatever happens, because we don't know. We have no idea. I don't know if in two weeks from now, three weeks from now, one month from now, two months from now, I don't know if the situation is going to be worse. I don't know what the situation is going to be better. I don't know. I have no flipping idea. I have no clue whatsoever what's going to be happening. So I am going to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's the only thing that we can do. The only risk I guess that I'm going to be taking is I'm going to go out and do some Ubering because even with the virus that's going on, the mortgage is still due on the 15th of every month. The cable, the gas, the electricity, the car payments, everything, all the bills that I have, they ain't stopping. The virus ain't putting the, the, I need to pay bills out of commission. So I need to go ahead and do those type of things. So I'm going to, take a risk. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to try to get myself in the best position as possible to put myself in the best position, not to get the virus when I go out and I Uber to see what I can do to, you know, maintain to somehow keep afloat until something new comes along and I can get back to my regular job. And in the meantime, when I am going to be 
indoors, you can best believe that I'll be podcasting. And even though the NBA and March Madness and all some other sports are are on hiatus, and we've heard reports that the NBA not may, might not make it back until May or June, and we don't know when the NHL is going to be coming back. I can only imagine that if the NBA is not going to be coming back until June at the earliest, or there are reports that possibly May or June, that's when the NBA is coming back. I can quite imagine that the NHL will probably do the same thing, and then we're talking about you know stuff like WrestleMania is going to be moved to the Performance Center, that big wrestling extravaganza that they have. We're speaking about uh, the fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov Medoff and Tony Ferguson. We don't know what's going to be happening with that. The Leon Edwards versus Tyron Woodley, that's already been canceled. We don't know exactly. As far as the NFL is going to be concerned, I mean, free agency has started today and on my next podcast, that's mainly what I'm going to be focusing on because in the world of sports, that's the only thing that's been going on is what's happening with free agency with Ryan Tannehill and where Tom Brady going to end up and some of the moves that these teams made. But moving forward, we don't know. I mean, you would think, you would hope, you would pray that the NFL is going to be starting on time in, in August or in September because by that time we should have the plague under this, this plague or this pandemic under control. But who knows? Who knows? No one knows. No one knows, and that is scary. So we're going to be talking about that, but I'm still going to be putting out some podcasts. I'm still going to be trying to do my regular podcast. At least one thing I guess you could say is the fact that because I'm not going to be going back to work, at least for another three weeks as far as substitute teaching is concerned, it gives me a lot more time to go ahead and what I'm going to be spending a lot of the time indoors. It gives me a lot of time to go ahead and read and study and see what's happening in terms of what I can present to you in the world of sports. I'm not a big list guy. I'm not a, you know, name the top 10 running backs of all 10, uh, 10. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. Name your favorite quarterback or what was the best college basketball title game you've ever seen. I'm not really into that nonsense. I don't really like to do that type of stuff. And I feel that podcasts or talk shows or sports talk shows, whether it be on podcast or radio or TV, I'm not really into those. So, I'm not going to inundate you with those type of things, but uh, in the world that we live in, I'm quite sure that there'll be things for me to talk about. One thing, at least in the world of sports, without getting into the free agency of football, who's going where, I guess mainly what people can be, be reporting on is you know which athlete has come down with the coronavirus. Donovan Mitchell is talking about, hey, you know what? I feel great if I had to Playing a seven-game series right now would be no problem. Rudy Gobert said that he's doing fine. I guess that's one of the scary things about this virus is the fact that you could have it, I could have it. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know exactly when the time frame when you could get this virus. When did, when did we start? I know that the first case was reported X number, you know, X a while ago, but who knows? Who knows there's people out there who have the virus who don't have the ability to get tested or don't have the means to get tested or even are not wanting to get tested. So who knows? I don't know. One of my friends was talking about, hey, man, about a month ago, I thought I had the flu. I felt terrible. I felt horrible. But uh, I made it through after 14 days and came, came out on the other side and continued back to my normal every day. But she was wondering, did I have the coronavirus then? Did I 
pick up that virus then? I mean, who knows? There's so many people now that need to be tested, but because of the incompetence of the folks that we put in charge of this country is not being able to do that, it's slowing down the process and slowing down the opportunity for folks to go ahead and to um, get tested. So I don't know. I could have it. I don't know. I feel great right now. And I've done everything that I've could to make sure that I've minimized my opportunities and my chances to get this, this virus. But I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if someone passed by me a couple of days ago. I don't know a week ago, two weeks ago, the classroom I was in. I don't know. I have no idea. So I'm just going to do the best I can, write it out, pray, hope for the best, and see what we can do to finally rid ourselves and get back to our normal lives in the decent amount of time given to us. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. This podcast is mainly going to be focusing on the virus, the coronavirus, not going to be as long as my normal podcasts are concerned. Normally, I go like two hours, two and a half hours. But, you know, you got a lot of things to talk about, man. I mean, you know, normally, before everything hit the fan, I was going to be talking about the NBA, the stretch run, who was going to be doing well in the playoffs. I was going to be talking about March Madness, talking about, if you remember my last um, podcast, I was talking about the ups and the downs and the negatives and the positives about conference tournaments. And I was going to get into this whole spiel about why I enjoy the NBA playoffs much more than the NCAA tournament, because I feel that the NBA tournament is the better tournament, gives you a more definitive answer as to who was the best team in that league or in that association or, you know, you know, compared to a one and done situation which was the NCAA tournament more than, let's say, four out of seven games where you can really determine who the best team in the NBA was. So I was going to make that argument. I was going to talk about, hey, can Dayton do anything? Can San Diego State do anything? Can Gonzaga, all these small mid-major schools, can they do anything? The NCAA tournament being so wide open, this would have been great. This would have been fantastic. This would have been interesting, even though Georgetown didn't make it in the tournament. All of those things I was going to talk about. I was going to be talking about all of these things and then some. But, you know, life happens. Life absolutely happens and it sucks. But you actually have to go ahead and deal with it, man. You know, no one else is. So the world ain't going to stop and feel sorry for you. So you put one foot and stick in front of the other and you keep moving. You keep walking. You keep believing and you keep hoping for the best. Wendell's World and Sports, the podcast, Wendell Wallace with you. So glad that you could be with us. So. With the world of sports along with the world in complete chaos, I was just thinking about the impact of the coronavirus and what it's having, the impact that it's having on in the world of sports and beyond. I guess you can say as far as this country is concerned, this coronavirus, this is the big, this has had the biggest impact on our country probably since 9-11. I would have to say that. And the most notorious health scare since Magic Johnson announced back in 1991 that he had the HIV virus. Where were you then? What were you doing? I remember the first 48, 72 hours when when Magic announced that he had HIV. I remember the panic. I remember the fear. I remember just everybody kind of losing their mind when Magic announced that. So as far as health scares are concerned, I guess when you're comparing the coronavirus with other health scares in this country and the impact that it has, I guess you have to go all the way back to 1991. So the sporting... Events that have been canceled, as you know, last Wednesday, the NBA suspended the season after 
Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. And what a league source said in a statement shortly after 9.30 Eastern Standard Time that night was the NBA is suspending gameplay following the conclusion of Wednesday's schedule of games until further notice. The NBA will use this hiatus to determine next steps for moving forward in regard to the coronavirus pandemic. And again, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were tested positive. Rudy Gobert said the statement that, uh, you know, it was the, and an NBA said the statement concerning Rudy Gobert, that the player's test results was reported short, uh, shortly before tip-off. And the league said Gobert wasn't in the arena when it happened. So in a statement from the Jazz, Gobert tested negative for influenza, strep throat, and an upper rep- respiratory infection. But the individual symptoms diminished over the course of Wednesday, but taking precautionary measures and in consultation and cooperation with NBA medical staff and Oklahoma health officials, this decision was made to test for COVID-19, which he came back positive for that. So the Jazz players, what happened, what also interesting is that the Utah Jazz players, privately, they're saying that Gobert showed a cavalier attitude toward the virus in the locker room, touching teammates and their belongings. And look, Gobert was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. It was out of ignorance. His apology, I feel, was sincere because he donated $500,000 to the cause. And according to the uh, Twitter post by Zach Lowe of ESPN, Gobert's going to give $200,000 to part-time employees of the Jazz Arena, $100,000 to assist families impacted by the COVID-19 in Utah, and $100,000 to families impacted by COVID-19 in Oklahoma City, and $100,000 euros to French health care systems. So, look, everybody's going to be sitting up here talking about how could Gobert, he would be so cavalier, and he could be so irresponsible again. If you're listening to a certain broadcast, if you're listening to a certain president, if you're listening to a certain news station, then can you really blame Gobert? If you're the same person who's going out there on St. Patrick's Day and being around crowded people, big crowds of people, and you're doing all this stuff, can you really sit there and blame Gobert? If you're not listening to what the folks who are studying this virus tell you, if you're ignoring what they're telling you to do, can you really sit there and blame Gobert and say that he was irresponsible and say that he was stupid and say that he was not lacking in, or that he was lacking in common sense when you're out there doing the same thing? And I tell you one thing, who knows where this started? Gobert caught this from somebody. I wonder who it was. Now, the five teams that the Jazz played against during the incubation period of Gobert's illness was the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New York Knicks, the Boston Celtics, the Detroit Pistons, the Toronto Raptors, they were all advised to self-quarantine. And again, Donovan, uh, Donovan Mitchell, how did we know How did we know for certain, 100%, that Rudy Gobert gave the virus to Donovan Mitchell? How do we know it wasn't the other way around? They both tested at the same time, only news of Gobert's illness and catching of the virus was reported before Donovan Mitchell. So how do we know? Maybe if it was the other way around, maybe if it was reported that Donovan Mitchell had been tested and come back positive for the coronavirus and then Rudy Gobert, maybe the narrative, maybe the discussion would have been completely different. But, you know, once again, Donovan Mitchell is 
self-quarantine and he said that he's feeling great and he's feeling good. And now another NBA player has tested positive for the coronavirus recently, and that was Christian Woods of the Detroit Pistons. He tested positive for the coronavirus a week after playing Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So we don't know, man. We don't know where any of this stuff is going and we don't know how any of this stuff is going down. If you take a look at the other sporting events, that have been postponed or canceled. Again, you got the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness. At first, President Mark Emmerich announced Wednesday that games would be played in front of only essential staff and limited family members. 24 hours after that announcement, the Division I men's and women's 2020 basketball tournament were canceled. Now, the NCAA also canceled all remaining winter and spring NCAA championships covering 20 sports, including baseball, hockey, lacrosse, and wrestling. So also the conference tournaments were canceled. So conferences like the Big East and the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC, Pac-12, American, the Atlantic, all of these basketball conferences and all their tournaments were canceled. The Ivy League was first to cancel its postseason play, and that was on Tuesday, and then the others followed suit. So I hear people... When this first went down, of course, man, if you're a fan of Dayton, if you're a fan of San Diego State, if you're a fan of some of these schools that might not get back to the same position that they're in, that they were in this season, if you're Baylor, if you're one of these type of teams, you know, who is, who's not a powerhouse, who's not a Duke or a Kansas or a Kentucky and such, I can understand that, you know what, I can be, in, I can be in the room with Anthony Grant, the head coach of Dayton, having to explain that the season's over, fellas. You know, Opie Totten, get ready to go to the NBA, get your stuff, get your ducks in order to get ready for that. But um, the season's the season's over. So the what if game is going to be played. What if the tournament went along? Was it really feasible that San Diego State and that Dayton had a real shot to win the NCAA championship? It would have been great storyline. It would have been great theater. But correctly. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen, and that's not gonna happen. There's no timetable for the return for the other sports. They don't know. No one knows. So I hear these folks sitting up there talking about, oh, why don't they just postpone it? Why did they have to cancel it? The NCAA. And look, I'm one of the last guys who are going to be giving credit for a decision made concerning the NCAA and these quote unquote student athletes. But they did the right thing. They did the right thing. You had to postpone it. I'm sorry, you had to cancel it. Postponing it would not make any diff would not have made any sense. First of all, we don't even know when it's gonna be okay for regular everyday life to resume again. We we don't know. We have no idea. There's universities and colleges all across this country that are now closed down as students are gonna be taking finishing up their degrees and finishing up the school year, taking classes online. So you're going to have entire campuses basically become ghost towns, ghost campuses. You're going to have college towns basically become ghost towns because people are going to be going back home. So whenever they decided to go ahead and resume the NCAA tournament, whatever that would be, what happens if it starts in June? What happens if it starts in July? What happens if they don't get the okay until the summertime? What, are you going to have kids who are supposed to be who are on who are on break come back and fill the arenas and, and, and do those type of things to resume the NCAA basketball tournament? No. 
You're talking about setting up dates with the arenas and now what happens with the NBA because if the NCAA tournament resumes, you know that the NBA schedule or you know the NBA season is going to commence. You know that the NHL season is going to get back to playing games. So how do you resolve that situation? I don't I don't know the particulars in terms of the regional games where they're going to be played, but you would have to go ahead and speak to the arenas and get back to see what, what, they, what they can do to... Uh, have the teams play, and then the teams got to get back together. You have players who are playing on these NCAA tournament teams. You have them spread all across the country. A lot of them, you have them spread all across the world. Now you're going to have to go ahead and get them back, and then you're going to have practice time, and you're gonna, the, the, the brackets haven't even been made yet for the 68 teams, so you have to put all that back together. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Then... Again, you're also forgetting the fact that if the NCAA decided that, you know what, in May, let's just say late April or May, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have the NCAA tournament. Well, you have a whole bunch of players right now who are speaking about going to the NBA. They have to get ready for the NBA. They have to get ready to be drafted. They have to get ready for the NBA combine. They have to get ready to prepare themselves to work out individually for teams. You have to, they're, they're right now discussing about, you know, what agents to go ahead and hire so they can pursue their goals and their dreams of playing in the NBA. What, you're going to put that on hold so they can be playing in a college basketball tournament? No, it makes no sense. As much as we would wish that these guys would get the opportunity to play in a tournament, most of these guys, 95% of these guys, their main goal is to get into the NBA. That's their dream. So you're going to try to tell them to put their dream on hold or you're going to try to tell them to compromise their their ability to maximize on where they can go in the draft to play in a college basketball tournament? It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. So the NCAA did the right thing in terms of canceling the tournament. And hey, you know what, man? Life sucks. Get used to it. It is what it is. And, you know, I feel so sorry for the kids at Liberty, and I feel so sorry for the kids at Dayton, and I feel so sorry for the kids at San Diego State. And I always say this when you talk about that nonsense. If not playing in the NCAA tournament is the worst thing that ever happened to these guys, then they will be the luckiest human beings who have ever walked the face of the earth. Throughout their lifetime, does it suck that they can't participate in the tournament? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it does. But guess what, man? Throughout their lives... If they live their lives correctly, there's going to be much more victories. There's going to be much more wonderful moments happening in their life than if they played in the NCAA tournament. And again, it's not to say, not to be cavalier, not to be dismissive of those who said, man, by one chance, one of my dreams that I had growing up from a child, 17, 18, 19 year dream was for me to play in the NCAA tournament. And you're speaking about one of the smaller schools, or you're speaking about an opportunity for someone who toiled and you know, not having the opportunity to get in the tournament, and now they have this one shot, this one chance, and it's taken away from them because of nothing that they did because of this pandemic, because of this epidemic, this rarity that would cause the NCAA to forfeit the millions upon millions of dollars that they're going to be making. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, you should feel bad. Yeah, you should feel sad. Yeah, you should feel awful. But it should be a quick turnaround to say, okay, look, you know, as much as, as disappointed that I am, that I'm not going to get the opportunity to play in the tournament. 
hey, I've got a long, hopefully, Lord willing, I've got a long way to go in my life. I still have to get married. I still have to have kids. I still have to be a father. I still have to be a husband. I still have the opportunity to be a grandfather. I have an opportunity to be a mentor. I have opportunities to change people's lives. I have an opportunity to follow my dreams and maybe play professional overseas or to start my own business or to work in a career that I absolutely love for the next 20, 30, 40 years where I'll be experiencing a lot of highs and a lot of joys and a lot of lifelong memories, both positive and negative. I've got a whole life ahead of me. I've got a whole lot more opportunities that have joys and wondrous opportunities and fantastic times in my life that will supersede, that will be better than playing in the NCAA tournament. I'm quite sure I haven't had the opportunity and I'm not going to have the opportunity probably to be a father or be a husband, but you can't tell me, hopefully, if everything is done right, that if you had the opportunity for those who have been through being a father and being a husband, that playing in a basketball tournament is better than seeing your first child or your second child or your fourth child or your eighth child being born or having the opportunity to go to your daughter's wedding or being having the opportunity to do the daddy dance or daddy, you know to go to these special functions that they have at the elementary schools and participate and have your son or your daughter be part of your life for the next 50, 60 years. You can't tell me that missing out on an NCAA basketball tournament is going to be something that's going to affect the way that you love your parents or that you love your children or that you love your wife or that you love your career in terms of, wow, I might have missed the opportunity to play in this tournament, but man, of all of the great things that have happened in my life from meeting my wife to having my kids to having my career to having my friendships and the just the way that I live my life, yeah, you know what? You can't be greedy. You can't be greedy. And all the other things that I've done in my life, my wife, my kids, my career working in the real world, I wouldn't trade that for one second in terms of being on an NCAA basketball court in March Madness. Again, it would have been nice, but it wouldn't have been nice, would have been nicer than those type of things. So I don't, I mean, I, I feel a little bit, have a little sympathy for some of those players and all of those players who don't get the opportunity to play, but you know what? If this means that much to you, the NCAA ain't going nowhere. College basketball isn't going anywhere. Hopefully, if some of these kids at Kentucky and some of these kids at Duke who are freshmen who are projected to go into the NBA draft, if you miss the opportunity and if you are still thinking about, man, what how great it would be to play in the NCAA tournament, tournament, come on back, play for your school next year, get into the NCAA tournament. The NBA is not going anywhere. You can still be drafted. There's opportunities. This is not an either-or situation for you. So if you feel that strongly, if you're an underclassman about playing in the NCAA tournament, then forego your dream of playing in the NBA and come back on a college campus and do the things that you need to do to fulfill that dream of playing in the NCAA tournament, basketball tournament, Wendell's World in Sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. I guess you could say on this special coronavirus podcast, the Wendell Wallace, uh, Wendell's World of Sports podcast with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. Here's something else that I was thinking about when the NCAA was talking about, you know what? Why not giving seniors the opportunity for another year of eligibility? And the spring sports athletes, 
They've already decided. The NCAA has already decided that they're going to get another year of eligibility. So that's, we're talking about baseball, lacrosse, tennis, golf, softball, beach volleyball, rowing. Those seniors are going to have the opportunity to come back in the spring or to come back next year and participate in those in those sports if they want to. So we're still deciding if this pertains to the college basketball seniors. So my thought also with that would be, again, I think that we're just speaking on in terms of the moment. And I think whenever we get back to normal life, whenever these guys really have the opportunity to sit down and think about this, I think the high majority of these guys are going to say, that was great and that was a nice gesture. If, if the NCAA decides that they want to extend this invitation to the college basketball seniors. I don't know how many of them are out there in terms of how many seniors are on a team, but the most high-profiled ones, if we're speaking about Michigan State's Cassius Winston and Miles Powell of Seton Hall and Marcus Howard of Marquette and Maryland's Anthony Cowan Jr. and Sam Merrill of Utah State and Yudoka Izabuki of Kansas and Oregon's Peyton Pritchard and Killian Tilly of Gonzaga, would those guys actually say, hmm, you know what? I mean, maybe I should go ahead and take advantage of another year and kind of finish up what we what we should have, you know, finished un, uh, unfinished business, shall we, shall we say. Because I take a look at this group, and those are the cream of the crop, if I could use that cliche of college seniors this year. We're just speaking about Winston and Powell and Marcus Howard, Calvin Jr., Merrill Tilly, Peyton Pritchard, Isabuki, most of these seniors that are going to be going to the NBA or hopefully going into the NBA, most of the seniors, almost all of these seniors are not projected to go in the first round in the 2020 draft. And this is a very weak draft. So for them to maximize on where they could go and where they could be drafted, this is not a situation where the 2020 draft is stacked and then 2021 is going to be feeble. So if you're Winston or if you're Tilly, if you're Peyton Pritchard, I'll go back, really dominate college basketball with this extra year of eligibility, maybe go ahead, make an All-American team, win a national championship, and then going into a very weak 2021 draft instead of being drafted in the late first round or maybe being drafted in the mid to late second round because of me coming back for the 2020-2021 season for the draft that's going to be the next season. I can be drafted as a lottery pick. That's not going to be happening. That's not the scenario when it comes to these guys. The 2020 draft is very weak. And the 2021 draft, by all the experts and prognosticators who do this for a living, say that the draft in 2021 is going to be much stronger. So I was doing just a little homework, shall we say, as I was sitting in my abode, my casa, and taking a look at most of the seniors that would be what it would be directed to. The NCAA is really not shining a light on, say, for instance, the senior who is the eighth man off, the, you know, who's the eighth man on the team or a guy who might, after his basketball career is over, might decide that he wants to go to law school or might want to go to business school or might want to go to graduate school or enter the, enter the, um, the, the working environment, you know, finally become an adult. This is not really predicated on those who are maybe sitting at the end of the bench who are seniors who, you know, quite frankly, financially, just don't have the resources or the ability to come back and become a college student again 
or maybe even these seniors who don't have maybe the grades, maybe don't have the financial means to come back and play basketball. And if it means playing over in China, maybe if it means playing over in another country, I have to go ahead and start my professional career and start making some money because coming back for another year as a 23-year-old senior for a second time around is not financially viable for me. Mama's got to get a new house. Daddy's got to get a new car. My brothers and sisters need that education money. And whether I have a child or maybe I have a fiance or whatever the domestic and personal situation that some of these seniors are in, they're not just going to have the opportunity to take advantage of playing basketball for another year, even though they're seniors right now. So Taking a look at, say, for instance, someone like a Cassius Winston, the point guard for Michigan State, the preseason All-American guy, he was the, you know, had Michigan State in a pretty good position, had a very good senior season. But, you know, you take a look at the pro prospect, the scouting report on Cassius Winston, he's projected to be going somewhere in the mid-second round. And according to the scouts, some of the pros of his game, he's a fairly good shooter from all over the floor, solid playmaker, adequate defensive player, above average athlete, smart player that has a good feel for the game. And then you take a look at the cons, and we're speaking about a guy in Cassius Winston who I guess is probably somewhere around six feet one as a point guard. Some of the cons of his games of his game is that he lacks an elite first step off the dribble. He can be a bit turnover prone. Uh, he may struggle to guard quicker players. He's not an elite athlete. So if you're speaking about Cassius Winston in the NBA, you're looking at him at the very best of being a backup guard. You're looking at him having the type of career, say, of someone like a, a Quinn Cook, who currently plays for the Lakers, spent some time with the Golden State Warriors where he won a championship, or you know, one of, one of those type of guys, someone like a Sheldon Mack. A guy who's going to bounce from team to team. A guy who's always, he's never going to get that $20, $25 million a year contract. He's always going to be a career backup. He's always going to be that guy who's going to struggle to stay in the league. There'll be some times during his career if Cassius Winston is going to go gung-ho about being in the NBA and being an NBA player. There's going to be some times where Cassius Winston, especially in the first couple of years, he's going to be spending some time in the G League. He's never going to be a starter. He's never going to be uh, that type of player. So if you're Cassius Winston, going back to college for another year is not going to improve your draft status. It's not going to improve your chances of being in the NBA for any longer than if you left right now. You're not going to get any faster. You're not going to grow any taller. You're not going to get that much stronger. I mean, your physical attributes, they are what they are especially when you're speaking about a guy who's somewhere around 21, 22, 23 years old. So with this situation, as far as with the NCAA giving seniors an extra year of eligibility to come back, would Cassius Winston take advantage of that? If I'm Tom Enzo, I would say no. As much as we would love to have you back, Cassius, in my good faith of being a coach and doing what's best for the player, I can't have you come back for another year. Not from a selfish standpoint, by the way. This is not Tom Izzo saying, you know, uh, for me, you need to leave because Michigan State will be a better team without you, which in terms makes me a better coach and gives me a better record and blah, blah, blah. This is not Tom Izzo from a selfish standpoint saying, Cassius Winston, you need to go. This is from the standpoint, this is from the advantage point of, look, what's best for the player right now moving forward is to go ahead and test 
your medal in the NBA. Wendell's World of Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Wendell Wall, speaking on this Corona version podcast, going down what's happening, speaking about some of the things affected by the coronavirus. One of the things that were affected by the coronavirus, I already mentioned the NBA, the NCAA basketball tournament, because of what's been happening with the virus, it's been canceled. So the NCAA is in the midst of discussing whether they should have a situation for the winter sports for seniors to come back and play because of their opportunity missed of playing in the NCAA tournament. And I'm thinking about some of the more high-profile seniors that the spotlight was shed on in terms of examples of whether this player would come back and play again when you're speaking about Marcus Howard and Miles Powell and, and Cassius Winston. And again, my my deal is that, hey, man, just just go. Just go take the money. Even though none of these seniors are projected to go in the lottery or go in the first 20 to 25 picks. And because of some of their physical attributes, whether it be they're not big enough, they're not tall enough, they're not fast enough, they're not a great enough, great enough athlete, which is going to um, have them fall somewhere in the second round in what is a very weak draft for the 2020 NBA draft, that these guys should all just go to the NBA. Really, Miles Powell, I mean, he's projected to be a second-round pick. Some of the pros of his games from the scouts that he can score from anywhere on the floor, being a guy who has watched him, who has who has watched him torch Georgetown time and time and time again. Yes, I can attest to that. This man can score from anywhere on the floor, and when he gets hot, at least in college basketball, he is literally unstoppable, and he's. Basically, in college, you could say that he's an undersized James Harden, the type of player who could fill it up, fill it up fast, and fill it up from anywhere on the court and really hit shots that are demoralizing. You know, he's the type of guy that can end an opponent's 8-0 run or 6-0 run with a devastating shot. He's the guy with a shot clock running down in the late late in the ball game under two minutes to go with Seton Hall holding a two-point lead. He's that guy that can hit that dagger three-pointer that takes the win and the fight and the belief out of another team that is looking to go ahead and beat the Pirates. So, hey, man, I saw Miles Powell put up 30-something and 40-something points against Georgetown and did it while he was laughing at folks. So, yeah, I want Miles Powell gone, and I want him gone now. So, so that's some of the pros of his game, the fact that he is a scorer, the fact that he can score in buckets. But when you take a look at some of the cons of Miles Powell's game, which is why he's projected to go in the mid-second round, the fact that his main weakness is the fact that he's six foot two and he's not someone who can handle the ball at a great level. His height and athleticism, who's he going to guard? He's too small regarding shooting guards. He's not athletic enough to guard point guards. And as great of a scorer that he is in college, the fact that that doesn't translate enough for him to be such a deficiency on off, on defense. Which means that, hey, you know what? We can have Miles Powell getting torched on defense because on offense in the NBA, he's putting up 32 points a game. The defense of James Harden would be unacceptable on any measure when it comes to NBA basketball. James Harden's defense is absolutely atrocious. But he can play and he's a superstar because guess what? He can get you 30, 40, 50, 60 points a game. So the fact that he's so bad on defense, it doesn't make a difference because he far for makes up for it on offense because of his scoring prowess and what he means offensively 
for the Houston Rockets. Miles Powell doesn't have that type of skill set. Miles Powell doesn't have that type of talent. So if Miles Powell is going to play, he's got to play against someone who is a big defensive guard. And how do we know that his game, as far as scoring is concerned, is going to translate? We'll see. At the very best, Miles Powell is a situational scorer who's coming off the bench. That's what he is. At the very best, maybe he could be someone sort of kind of like a Lou Williams or maybe someone like a, a, a Vinnie Johnson going back to the Pistons days of the 19, late 80s and early 90s. I mean, that's who he is. But in terms of being a guy who, again, coming back to Seton Hall, what is that going to do? We've already, we already know that he can score. And, and Willard, the coach, is not going to have him now play point guard so he can go ahead and try to show the, the scouts that he can play point guard in the NBA, which can raise his draft status anymore. No, <laughs> the coach for Seton Hall is going to put him right back into the same type of role that he had this past season, which is shoot, score, be the leader, do everything on offense. So if I'm him, again, I go ahead and go to the NBA. Yudoka Izabuki of Kansas. Big, massive guy, man, like six foot 11, 270 pounds. That's one of his strengths. He's one of the only guys, when I, was doing my, when I was doing my research on this, this was the only guy who was even sniffing being drafted in the first round. And many mock drafts, recently mock drafts, had him somewhere going 28, 29. So basically, he's on the borderline of going anywhere in the, you know, very late in the first draft. And most of the times, in all likelihood, those late first-round draft picks, it's a clusterfuck because we don't know what international players are going to be coming over that will be drafted late in the first round by teams who have multiple choices. I mean, for instance, if you take a look at somebody, a team that was in a situation, say, like the Boston Celtics were years ago, where they had all of these draft picks and, you know, Danny Age could only have 12 players on the team. So when you have three or four first-round draft picks, or in Boston cases, two or three first-round draft pick, you draft a player who's going to play for you right now. You draft the second player in the first round that's going to probably be on the bench. But that third player that you draft somewhere in the 20s and the 25s, that's a guy that you can stash overseas somewhere. So when you're speaking about what are these teams going to be doing moving forward, there's always a team, whether it be the San Antonio Spurs, who are good at doing this, there's always a team where they draft the player from overseas where you have to take a look and go, who? Huh? What? Where? Where is he from? Never heard of him. That always happens coming late in the first round because these teams, especially if you take a look at teams who are trying and vying for a championship, they don't need a first-round draft pick. That's a project that they can put and stash somewhere overseas to have him continue to develop. So maybe when, let's take, for instance, well, the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't think they have a first-round draft pick because of the trade that they had that they made with uh, New Orleans to get Anthony Davis. Same thing with the Los Angeles Clippers. They they mortgaged their future to try to get and got Paul George. But, you know, there's teams out there late in the draft who are playoff bound, who are vying for the championship. They What do they need to draft someone to sit on the bench for? Let's go ahead and draft somebody, stash him overseas for a couple of seasons. So when we start to rebuild, maybe that guy can come in and do what Manu Ginobili did for the San Antonio Spurs when he was drafted late in the second round, not the first, but he was stashed over and brought back. The Toronto Raptors are good about that. They're another team, Josiah Jerry, 
is very good about drafting guys and stashing them away and having them play for a few years before they come back and try to contribute to the franchise. All of this is leading to Yudoka Izabuki, who I've seen being drafted somewhere 28-29. I doubt if that happens. But again, some of the pros of his game, he's a great you know, great strength, strong finisher around the basket, very, fairly good low post moves. He's a good rebounder. He has a long wingspan. But, I mean, here's a guy who doesn't fit what the modern-day NBA center is all about. He's more Steven Adams than he is uh, Patrick Ewing in terms of facing and shooting the jump shot or, or you know, stretching the floor, shall we say. I mean, he needs to improve, improve his face-up game, and he must expand his low post moves. He's a terrible free-throw shooter. He has very, he's very raw offensively, and he can be undisciplined defensively. And on top of all of that, he's injury prone with these situations. Not good for a big man. So Marcus Howard, solid scorer, but guess what? He's only 5'9 without shoes. He can struggle to score in traffic. He needs to improve his defense. Where is he going to be playing You know, in the NBA? So these are some of the decisions that these guys need to be making in terms of shall I go ahead and go to the NBA or if the NBA allows, or excuse me, if the NCAA allows me to come back and play another year in college, then I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of that. If I'm any of these guys, especially after reading the scouting reports and reading some of the things that they need to work on, I always said, you know what, if you've got elite athleticism, say if any of these guys' strengths were unbelievable athletes, Great position for his size. But some of the cons of their game was need to improve his outside shooting, need to improve his dribble drive, need to improve his decision making, need to improve uh, his free throw shooting, needs to be more defensive aware, needs to improve his defense. All of these things you can fix. All of these things are there. I mean, you can improve your jump shot. Just ask Kawhi Leonard. You can improve your dribble drive game. Ask Kawhi Leonard. You can improve your all-around offensive game. Just ask Jimmy Butler. You can improve those things, especially if you have the God-given physical talents. If Howard or Powell, again, were athletic freaks, and all they needed to do was refine some of the fundamentals of their game, that would make them, for me, to have a better argument for them to go back to college basketball than it would be, say, for instance, to play in the G League, especially financially if you can do it. I would rather have these guys, if they had that type of, if they had that type of scouting report, great athlete, great size for the for the position that they're going to be playing, but some of the cons is the fact that he's raw offensively, he needs to work on this, he needs to work on that, pay attention to detail on the defensive end, you know, lapses in judgment on the offense, can be a little shot happy, all of those things. Like, I don't worry about scorers being gunners as far as one of their weaknesses is concerned. One of the cons that happened with Miles Powell and Marcus Howard is the fact that they shoot too much. Believe me, when they reach the NBA level, they're not going to be shooting as much as they do when they were in college. Miles Powell and Marcus Howard, at least for the first couple of years, will not be putting up the same type of shots that they did in college when they're in the NBA. Guarantee you, not unless they don't feel like having a job. Now, maybe they want to go to China somewhere and play if they want to go to Finland somewhere and play if they want to go to Australia and play the NBDL. I mean, if they want to do that or play the NBL, if they want to go ahead and do that, play in New Zealand, 
then I'm quite sure they can take the same mentality as far as shot selection and shot freedom. They can take the same mentality from Marquette and Seton Hall, bring it over to the NBA and try it out at that level. But I guarantee you real quick that they'll be looking for a job somewhere overseas to be continuing their basketball career if they have that mentality. So I'm quite sure that Powell and Marcus Howard and any of these other guys who are putting up these ridiculous shots because that's what the coach needs them to do at the collegiate level. I'm quite sure these guys are smart enough to know that, no, some of those shots that I was given the green light to shoot in college, at least for the first couple of years in the NBA, if I were to stick around, I will not be putting up those, types, those same type of shots the same number of times that I did. I will not be having the same type of freedom in the NBA that I did when I was in college. So for me, a scouting reporter that says that he can be a bit shot happy or shot selection isn't good, that's workable. That's doable with a good coach and a good organization. So all of this is just to say that these guys, these superstars or the star players, who were seniors for college basketball this year, who were making All-American teams, who were doing all of these things. Azubuki was the Big 12 Player of the Year. All of these guys should say thanks that the NCAA decided that, you know what, we're going to offer you the opportunity to play another year of college basketball. Winston, Howard, Azubuki, all of these guys, Bob Powell's, all of these guys should say thank you. I appreciate that now, but me, this is time for me Time for me to move on. And again, this doesn't even take into account. I don't know what their financial situation. I don't know what their personal situation is. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're on track to graduate. I don't know, you know, what their situation is. And also with the coaches concerned, we don't know as far as the players that are coming in. I mean, Miles Powell, we would love to have you for another year. As a bookie, we would love to have you for another year. But, you know, sometimes a coach is like, Time for me to move on. I got a freshman class coming in and I'm pretty secure at my job and I have a nice fat contract to where, you know, I can go ahead and I can take care of this. Maybe it would be, and look, I'm going to be biased about this, but, you know, I, would I love to have Jagan Mosley come back and play another year with Georgetown? Absolutely. Would I love to see Terrell Allen come back and play another year for Georgetown at the point guard position? Absolutely, especially when you're talking about Dante Harris and Tyler Beard coming in to the squad next year. And I'm, God, I'm hoping we get Frankie Collins. Please, Jesus, please let Georgetown get Frankie Collins, a four-star recruit out of uh, Arizona who came to the Villanova game. He would be tremendous for our team. But basically what I'm saying is, would I rather have someone like Terrell Allen, an experienced leadership point guard type coming back for Georgetown and have Beard and Harris and God, please, Frankie Collins, kind of ease their way into college basketball without having the responsibility of being the starting point guard as a freshman. Sure, I would love that. But also another part of me says, you know, let's just get these guys, throw them in the deep end and, and, and see what happens, whether it be Harris, Collins, Beard. And if you're Allen, look, man, I've already played five years of college basketball. It's time for me to go on. Jacob Mosley, who mentioned that he wants to continue his basketball career professionally and loved every minute that he played for Georgetown. It's like as much as the team would be better and as much I would love to see Jacob Mosley come back. And also for his sake, the fact that he played four years at Georgetown gave his blood, his sweat, his tears, his everything, his commitment to both JT3 and to Patrick Ewing and didn't, didn't make the tournament while he was with 
the Hoyas in his four-year career. Would I love to see him come back, be on this team, and help Georgetown make it to the tournament, which in turn would give him the opportunity and the experience of playing in the tournament? Sure, one part of me says yes. But the other part of me says, Jagan, man, you've done so much for the Hoyas. Go. And whether that's playing professional overseas and making some money, whether it's that going ahead and and, and when working and building on the finance degree that you're, go, that you're going to get and maybe go down the Wall Street and become a billionaire and be the IRA Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, just do what you need to do, man. But uh, so for me, that's the deal in terms of that. I really think that is fantastic. I think it's great if you have the Ability to come back, if you're a senior, to come back and play for your team again, fantastic, more power to you. But I think moving on, a lot of these guys should just move on and just start pursuing their other things going on in life. And again, I think once everything calms down, I think as far as the further that you get away from whether you played in the tournament, whether that be in May or June when you graduate from college, I mean, all of those things. This will subside the pain and the disappointment that Howard and Winston are feeling right now, knowing that their careers ended unexpectedly and not of their own fault or doing. I mean, right now it's got to hurt, but 20, 30, 40 years from now, when you're still living, hopefully, God willing, that this will be just a blip. So the coronavirus, man, as far as with the NBA is concerned, shutting that down, as far as with the NFL, the NHL, Shutting that down, it sucks. But uh, yeah, man, yeah, I think that uh, I think that we're all gonna make it. And as I mentioned before, in other podcasts that are coming up, there are some things going on in the NFL that are saving the day for us folks out here to take a look at and discuss in terms of what's happening in the world of sports. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. A different type of podcast, because normally I say Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. A lot of things going on in the world of sports, the, a lot of things going on in the world of sports, we delete, just like I was Matt Hardy, I delete, because there's really nothing going on in the world of sports pertaining to the NBA, or the NHL, or college basketball, or boxing, or MMA, Shit, man. What are they gonna do? I'm telling you, man, Khabib Demarcabedoff and Tony Ferguson. I don't know how many times have they have they tried to fight like 18 times? Jeez, of all the times. And we we're sitting up there as soon as the fight was made, contracts were signed way back in, I guess, what the latter part of 2019, maybe November, December. Everybody who follows the sport, everybody who knows the story between Khabib and Ferguson, El Culio, we're sitting there talking about, no, don't sign it now. That's way too much time. They sign it now in November. You know that someone's going to get hurt and have the thing being postponed. It's almost like, man, if the fight between those two was supposed to happen April 18th, say at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 
have those guys sign on the dotted line to get ready to fight inside the octagon at 6.58 and 34 seconds. Man, it's just like... <laughs> because just the ridiculousness of why those guys hadn't fought before in terms of they were scheduled to fight, I think, three times, four times. But one got injured, one guy tripped over a cord and injured his knee and couple of you know a day or two before the fight was supposed to take place and it's like that is the best fight on paper in the UFC in a long time man you can talk about John Jones and Daniel Cormier you can talk about McGregor and Khabib you can talk about any of these other guys man there's been some really good fights in the UFC there have been some really good anticipated fights in the UFC over the past 18 to 24 months man but uh, Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov is that last one in terms of, all right, there's really no other fight that I want to see that hasn't taken place yet. I can't think of any other fight with Henry Cejudo fighting Jose Aldo. Nah, not really interested. Any of the heavyweight, we saw Stipe Miocic fight Daniel Cormier not once but twice, so we, we got to see that. Again, we got to see Jones versus Cormier. Okay, we saw that. We've seen Valentina Shevchenko fight Amanda Nunez, not once, but twice. Ronda Rousey isn't coming back, so Chris, and, uh, Chris Cyborg is fighting for Bellator, so that's never going to take place, no big deal. We've gotten over the fact that Fedor never fought Randy Couture, big deal, we've gotten over that. So, really, there's really nothing else, there's really no other fight out there. Where it's kind of like there's two combatants where we really want to see fight. If you want to say Jorge Vidal and Kamara Usman, eh, okay, I guess. Or if you want to say something like uh, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal, eh, okay, I guess. Or if you want to see Conor McGregor fight Dustin Gaethje or Kamara Usman or Jorge Masvidal, eh, okay, I guess. Wouldn't it be something if the old Conor McGregor, as far as personality and running his mouth is concerned, came back to fight Colby Covington? It's almost like, I don't know who, I, well, I know who I would root for. I would root for McGregor, and that's saying something. That's how much That's how much the act of Colby Covington rubs me the wrong way in every way, shape, or form. I'm sitting up here talking about, I would rather have the old, obnoxious Conor McGregor come back and fight Colby Covington and root for McGregor in his old obnoxious self. That shows you how much I despise the act that Colby Covington is putting on. But for the most part, yeah, this coronavirus that we're discussing here on this podcast, Wendell's World of Sports, Wendell Wallace, yours truly, broadcasting. Yeah, I mean, that's the only fight out there right now that I really want to see that really hasn't been made yet, that the majority of fans, MMA fans, UFC fans want to see. And once again, it is in serious jeopardy. I don't know what Dana White's going to do, man, but somehow, some way, April 18th is right around the corner. I know that they're going to be holding fights in the Performance Center. I don't give it. I don't give a damn, man. I mean, have them fight that in the middle of the desert. Have them fight that, you know, set up a set up an octagon in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and have them go. Just as long as I can see it, I just want to watch that fight. Now, normally, I watch these fights at a bar. And because of the information that I that I am taking heed to, where you're not supposed to be in any large gatherings for the next two months, I am willing, my frugal self, I am willing to spend the money, despite my financial situation, I am willing to go ahead and pay the money for the pay-per-view to go ahead 
and watch that fight. That's how much, that's how excited I am to watch that. Barely I hope some way, somehow, those guys get it on and get it going. Get it on, get it on. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Not doing the usual two-hour plus, two-hour podcast today because, again, there's really nothing to talk about in terms of sports is concerned to break it down. And again, I'm, you know, I'm going to save some of my other material that uh, I like because this is Wendell's World in Sports. So yes, while you are going to be getting me to be talking about what's going on in the world of sports, 95, 96, 97% of the time, there are some things that I enjoy. There are some other passions that I have besides sports, namely music, namely history, that I like to delve into, and I'm still saving because, hey, you know what? Where am I going? I ain't doing anything. I'm I'm on lockdown in terms of what I can do. Going to do a little Uber and to keep my head above water, but since I'm not going to be working because the Clark County School District has been closed for the next three weeks, I've got some times where there's some documentaries and there's some things that I'm going to be watching that I'm going to be motivated and inspired to talk to you about. Uh, one of them, as I mentioned before, is about Motown. But I'm going to save that. I'm going to shelve that. That'll be at another later time. Aren't you looking forward to that? Yeah. But uh, you know what I was thinking about? Of, as all of these things are going on, and I know that you were thinking the same thing when it was basically like, wow, man, this, this, this coronavirus shit is for real. It's like for the first time that I can remember as a human being, this is the first time where it's like, okay, there's no sports. What exactly am I going to fucking do? I mean, what? And it's not like I can go to another country. I can't go there. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm kind of restricted. We're kind of restricted in what we can do. So it's like, okay, I'm not really a big movie guy. I don't have like a huge collection of movies. Because for me, unless it's a sporting event, I can't sit for two hours or what are movies right now about 95 96 minutes right now or 90 minutes unless it's a movie starring a Denzel Washington or a Morgan Freeman or a, an old Michael Douglas flick or you know something like that maybe watch a little bit of a Sidney Poitier or a Humphrey Bogart a, a classic movie like that unless it's something like that I, I, I really can't find the time or energy to be disciplined enough to sit down and watch a movie for 90 minutes or 120 minutes. So for me, eh, sitting there watching movies all day, that wouldn't that wouldn't last. I mean, there's no way. If I get through one movie, that's good enough in one day. I mean, some people I know can sit there all day and watch three or four or five or six movies. Like in the situation that we have right now on the weekends where there's no football. I mean, hell, I was ready to watch the XFL if I had to. I was ready to watch the NHL if I had to when I learned that the NBA was going on a, on hiatus and the NCAA tournament was canceled. I was like, okay, give me give me the XFL, fuck it. Let's give me another week of that before they finally shut it down. And they shut it down before <clears throat> before they got a chance to play another game. Same thing with the NHL. I mean, sure, give me give me the opportunity to watch the Nashville Predators and the New Jersey Devils or the Brooklyn Devils, wherever. Your name is called right now. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and, and, and buy that, but the NHL shut it down. Right thing to do. Right thing to do. But so I don't I don't even know what's on right now. Bowling? I mean you'll never get me to watch auto racing. That's on a hey on hiatus too. Golf? 
I can't sit there and watch golf, but who cares? Because that's been postponed too. So, so the, uh, the Masters is out of the question. Not that I was going to watch that anyway. But for me, it's like, okay, what exactly am I going to do? For me, for me, I can watch maybe, I can maybe watch five hours straight of television, non-sports. Possibly, maybe there was debate last night between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and watching the coverage on CNN and MSNBC. And after watching the debate itself, you know, we're four hours in and I'm still up there watching. Okay, that's fine. That caught my attention. I could maybe watch some stuff. I'm a big serial killer buff, so I can watch some stuff on Ted Bundy and Gary Ridgway and... And those guys and Wayne Williams and I can go ahead and watch some documentaries on those guys. Bill Curtis in the Bill Curtis series on A&E when he had an investigative reports in American Justice and Cold Case File. I can I can go ahead and spend hours watching that. But when we're speaking about hours for me, I guess what? That's five, maybe six, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. So... For me, I have no idea exactly what I'm going to do, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I guess I'm going to go out and Uber a little bit once again to kind of cut the time. There there are some movies that I do want to watch. I never got a chance to watch Black, Black Panther, so I'll go ahead and watch that. One day, I mean, when I say one day, I'm talking about if I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to watch one movie, and that'll be Black Panther for that day. And then maybe a couple of days later, I'll go ahead and watch something else. I want to see Dolomite. With Eddie Murphy, I heard the uh, Jimmy Hoffa movie with De Niro and Joe Pesci and Al Pacino, those guys. I heard that was long. And people are like, well, perfect time to watch it now, right? Where else? What else you got to do? But I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do as far. Like I said before, I'm not a, I couldn't tell you what's in the movie theaters right now. I have no idea. Maybe something that I've seen on commercial, but since the movie theaters, of course, are being shut down, even before that happened, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you what movie was hot, what movie was great, what movie was coming out, what Marvel movie, what Spider-Man movie. What I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any idea. So I'm not a big movie watcher, but I am a big documentary guy. So I watch documentaries about George Washington and the presidents in the 1800s and the 1900s and I'll watch the revolution again on A&E. I have that uh, I have that on my YouTube best of list and uh, I don't know. I'll think of something to do. Maybe I'll just sit around and watch and listen to a bunch of podcasts and get a lumosity and make sure that my memory stays somewhat sharp and go on my elevate and play my mind brain games to make sure that I can continue to have a coherent thought for as long as possible and Remember who I am for as long as possible and remember what I did 10 minutes ago as long as possible, you know, so we'll do something. Don't shed no tears for me, man. I'll be fine. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Special coronavirus edition as we're ending up here. What time is it? What time do we have right here in terms of me recording? Because once again, I always go two hours. Oh, I'm at a minute. I'm at an hour and 20. Also, gonna miss my music here because normally with my with my shows i like to break it up with a little bit of music you know i like to put on my my little motown stuff i like to put on some oldest reading stuff i like to put on some old school stuff i like to put on my hip-hop 
hip-hop instrumentals and all those good things. And so, you know, for this one, I guess we're only going to have one break before I hit the music and get on out of here. But, uh, you know, one thing, and I'll end with this. I'm a guy, I've always said that I've been a sociologist at heart. I'm one of these guys where I just like to observe. You know, when I went to the clubs, me and my favorite Puerto Rican, Chris Ortiz, we would go to the club in between, you know, flirting with the girls when I was living down in the Bay Area and we would go down to San Jose or we would go down to San Leandro or we would go down to Fremont or we would maybe go across the Bay and go over to uh, San Francisco with such. I mean, when we would go into these clubs because we were clubbing ages at that time. We would go in there and we would take a look at the girls and we would flirt with, with with them and all that kind of stuff. But also, we would just like people watch. And that was something that always, I just always loved to do. Just people watch. I mean, I've been all over the country, especially since becoming an adult at 18. I've been to, I've lived in the Bay Area. I've lived in San Diego. I've lived in Warrensburg, Missouri. I've lived in Sweetwater, Tennessee. I've lived in Baltimore, Maryland. I've lived in Phoenix, Arizona. I've lived a lot of places. And no, it's not because I was running from the law. And no, I'm not running because I have, I'm not making my baby, baby mama payments. I'm not saying that. Just, you know, just on this venture in life. I don't know, man. Ask the Lord why he decided to put it in my brain that I need to go these many places. But in each of the places that I went to, it's all about, you know, just observing, you know, just kind of taking a look at, I'm a guy who grew up in, Silver Spring, Maryland, the Washington, D.C. area. And so anytime I went to any of these places, you know, I wanted to inundate myself with the locals and kind of get their feeling, kind of get their flair, kind of get their flavor and what they're doing and doing all those type of things. So I've always been a guy who's just learned by watching people. I think my common sense has come from just watching people, learning from people. And when you're speaking about this coronavirus and the talking points that the society likes to give you and you'll hear Joe Biden talking about we need to bring this country back together and the leaders of this country and when they expound and talk about the virtues and the greatness of the United States of of America one thing they always seem to do and always want to seem to put at the forefront is the fact that we are a group of individuals from different nations, from different nationalities, from different races and genders and places. But we all find that unity. We all look for, we all look after each other, you know, with the United States and we're there for our fellow band and we're, we're in a compassionate country and all of these type of things. And that's one of the things that Sanders is talking about. We need to bring back the United in the United States because of the fucking idiot that we have in the office right now through racism, through misogyny, through stupidity through cunning through trying to divide us so he could conquer and have his army of idiots of uneducated fools from those who really don't know anything as far as what's going on in the world and what's going on in the country and what's going on with other people of other nationalities and genders and such he's trying to rely on his sheep to go ahead and to conquer so he can dupe continue to dupe, continue to fool, continue to abuse, continue to to um, take advantage of the uneducated, of the ignorant who feel that that piece of garbage is really in it for them. Believe me, if that fucking moron gets a second chance to run this country for another four years, you think this coronavirus is bad? This was his telltale sign right here. For three and a half years, that 
piece of shit got lucky in terms of there wasn't any catastrophes, there wasn't any huge moments that called for leadership, that called for competence. He could ride Obama's coattails for three and a half years and call and, and go back to the legion of idiots and say, I'm the reason why the economy is great. I'm the reason why employment is so low. I'm the reason why you got a few extra bucks an hour on your paycheck. I'm the reason why you haven't been laid off from your job. I'm the reason why the United States is moving in the direction that it's moving. I'm the reason and I'm the only reason. A guy throughout who throughout his tenure has lied over, what, 7,000, 11,000 times? Either, either he's lied over 7,000 times fucking times or he lies every 11 words that he say that he says either either way either or this piece of garbage this piece of shit is if he gets another four years if he gets another four years not just this country but this whole fucking world is in trouble the continents are in trouble africa asia Antarctica, I mean, climate change, everything that holds this country together, holds this world together, is in serious, serious trouble because we have someone in office right now who only gives a fucking damn about himself and doesn't give a shit about anybody except those that can make him richer, those that can make him more powerful. And we have a political party who knows this, but is going to turn a blind eye anyway because they're after themselves. Because they're looking out for themselves. Because they need that campaign money to get reelected. So they don't mind that the president lies. They don't mind that he's a piece of shit. They don't mind that he's amoral. They don't mind that he has no positive value whatsoever. They don't mind that he's a racist. They don't mind that he's a guy that's tearing his country apart by race, by gender, by ethnicity. They don't give a fuck. As long as they can have their legion of idiots continue to follow him in Kentucky, in Mississippi, in Alabama, in whatever place, whatever other places are going to be voting for him, regardless of what happens. This, this fucking, this fucking country, 50% of folks could die because of this virus. The idiot that's in the White House right now could get on the microphone in front of the nation and say, yeah, we have people dying. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. I want to go to borrow Mar-a-Lago and play some golf. He could get out there tomorrow. He could get out there and say, I don't give a fuck about this country. I don't give a fuck about you. I'm only in it to help me get richer. I'm going down to Mar-a-Lago. Fend for yourselves. See you later. He could say that shit tomorrow while people are dying in Kansas, in Nebraska, in Mississippi, in Louisiana. They'll still vote for that stupid motherfucker. They'll still vote for him. That's how fucking stupid this country is. That's how fucking stupid the people in this country are. They would still vote for him. They would still vote for him. So basically, what I'm trying to say through all this is that with this virus right now that's been happening, and yes, look, I understand that bad news gets more attention. I understand that what I'm going to be talking about is a lot better than showing stories of humanity, of people helping people of folks who are going out of their way, folks who are doing things to help their fellow neighbor, their fellow man. Yes, I understand that that doesn't get the attention. That doesn't get the eclipse. That doesn't get the conversation starting as, say, some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about right now. But it just, the only reason why I'm saying this is because for those who are in Canada, 
for those who are listening to this podcast from other countries, and you might have certain perceptions about what the United States is all about and what we try to project to the world about what we are all about in terms of a country is concerned. A lot of times what your perception of our country is, is more correct than what we're trying to give you. When we throw a lot of bullshit out there about what's going on in this country in terms of how great and how wonderful and how united that we are. And when you say, well, why don't you get up and leave? First of all, my ancestors built this country possibly for possibly for free, living as slaves to go fuck yourself. And second of all, we'll wait and see what happens in this election before I make a final decision on if I need to go somewhere else. Um, and if I need to go somewhere else and live my remaining days, because as I mentioned before, if that piece of shit gets put in office again, we is in big trouble, if I could use that improper grammar. But, but, but the coronavirus has brought to the eyes for everybody to see is a good number of people, far too many, to come out here and be selfish, the thing of themselves, and that's what happens, man. In the United States, the capitalist society, is about me, myself, and I. We think about me, myself, and I, first, second, third, last, middle, end, period. It's disgusting, some of the things that I see. There's folks out there who are running the scam in terms of taking baby formula and taking diapers and taking toilet paper and taking... Essentials, essentials that we need, stocking up, hoarding on them, and then going back in their social media pages or going ahead on different apps or going ahead on Amazon and selling it to selling it to people at jacked up prices. I've been on apps before where people are selling shit and they have a roll of toilet paper that they're selling for $25, for $30, for $50. A roll of toilet paper. You have folks who are selling this shit online at remarkable markups. Everybody in this country needs needs something. How the fuck can you be a decent human being taking uh, hand sanitizer away, hoarding it, and then trying to sell, sell it for your financial endeavor? What kind of a fucking human being are you? What human being goes ahead and hoards baby food, diapers, and then it's going to try to resell it for a profit. When we have mothers out there who need this stuff for their children. And you don't give a fuck enough to go ahead and say, nah, morally, that's just wrong? To go ahead and do that? What kind, of a, what kind of a fucking human being are you? It's a human being who only thinks about himself. It's a human being who says, I'm getting mine and fuck everybody else. We've seen that in this country. Now, I'm only speaking about this country. And look, the United States is not the only state, that's uh, the only country that's doing it. So I don't want to throw out to you this notion that, oh, yeah, all the other countries are just looking out for them, are looking out for each other, and everything is kumbaya, and the rest of the world is so unselfish and so godly and so this, that, and the other. No, I'm quite sure when we're speaking about a epidemic or a pandemic or whatever was happening with this coronavirus, I'm quite sure Italy is tearing itself apart. I'm quite sure that there's other countries out there that are being faced with the same thing, that are going through the same things. So I'm not trying to say that the United States is the only culprit in this in this horrible thing that we're doing, that we're showing with humanity. And really, it's not just a situation where 
this is reflective upon this society, this type of selfishness, this type of ignorance, this type of just cruelty to others really extends upon the whole world. It's not the idiot that we have in the White House's fault right now, whether Joe Biden becomes the president, if a certain portion of the people in this country who back Bernie Sanders or back Elizabeth Warren or back Pete Buttigieg or anybody, a new guy in the White House is not going to change the ways and the minds of people in this country. It's all about me, myself, as I, me, myself, and I. It's all about taking care of my family first. And it's always, always been about what can I do to make sure that I can maximize my financial potential. And if that means hoarding groceries, if that means hoarding toiletries, if that means hoarding things that other people need to survive to stop the, 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 you know, the, the virus from moving on to others, well, then fuck them because it's all about me. If someone has to die for me to make an extra 50 bucks from selling a roll of toilet paper, if some child has to suffer because I decided I want to make an extra few bucks by taking their opportunity to buy diapers and baby formula, well, that's on them, not me. Because I'm looking after me, myself, and I. Fuck you. Karma is a bitch. And for all the people who do that, man, I fucking hope something bad happens to you. I hope when everything is all said and done, I hope something bad happens to you in terms of you getting a virus and needing some help and needing somebody to help you or giving a helping hand, having someone give you a helping hand and they go, fuck you. I hope that happens. I just hope that happens. It was just really disgusting when I see that stuff, when I see that stuff. And it's, it's not based on political affiliation. It's not based on gender. It ain't based on race. It ain't based on age. It just ain't a black thing. It ain't an Asian thing. It ain't a Mexican thing. It ain't a Christian thing. It ain't an atheist thing. It ain't a poor thing. It ain't a rich thing. There's just a bunch of scumbags who are doing the same shit right now in North Las Vegas, just like they are in Summerlin, or just like they are in the richest parts of Las Vegas. There's the same people as far as doing this, as far as being selfish, as far as hoarding things and only looking after themselves, the same people who are doing it in Watts and Inglewood are the same people who are doing it in Beverly fucking Hills. This diatribe, this rambling diatribe that I'm on in terms of talking about the ills of the humanity of the society and the country that we live in does not exclude anybody, does not exclude the rich, the poor, the white, the Asian, the black, the Hispanic, the male, the female, the young, the millennial, the Gen X, the whatever, whatever generation I'm in, it's broad-based, man. It's broad-based. So that's about it. I always love it when, you know, during the Democratic Party, these debates, and they would ask the candidates, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Biden, and they would go on and on and on about the plight of black people in this country and what we can do and what they're going to do and how they're going to change things around and how they're going to make it all better. And black folks, you know, like, like black folks need, like black folks need these folks, you know, to help them along the way because we're so, we're so ill-equipped or we're not educated enough or we need, like, you know, like we're like, we're like the child and these democratic candidates are our parents and we need them to show us the way we need for us. We need for them to do things for us. Please, we can't, we can't do this without you. Ugh. 
some of the stuff was so condescending and arrogant and just piece of shit. But my, my point is, is that what are we going to do about racism? Look, man, I ain't, as a black man, I ain't asking Joe Biden to solve racism for me. I ain't asking A.B. Klobuchar to figure out what we can do about racism. Hell, I, ain't, I wasn't even asking Cory Booker or Kamala Harris to go ahead and quote unquote solve racism. You don't solve racism. You don't fix racism with a bill. You don't face, fix racism with a law. You don't. It's here to stay. Racism, crime, poverty, that's here to stay. What levels can you minimize it? Now, we went from picking cotton to be able to live in rich neighborhoods fairly, fairly comfortably in the last 200 years as black folks in this country. We ain't never going to get rid of racism, folks. Just like we're never going to get rid of when something like this happens that we're going to be showing these behavior patterns. It's the way it is. It's just the way it is. The next epidemic that hits, good or bad, you're going to see the same type of mentality. You're going to see the same type of hoarding. You're going to see the same type of actions from the same group of people all over the world. So, you know, it was, again, eye-opening. It was just a situation where it was, you know, that's what we're all about. Not just this country, but the world. And we're never going to be able to solve it. But Jesus, A, I just pray that we don't get another epidemic that brings out the worst in people. And B, I don't know what the younger generation, I don't know what we can do, but hopefully it's not as bad as the next one. That's the only thing that I ask. We're never going to be able to solve the actions that we've been seeing in terms of the selfishness of human beings. But as we move forward, hopefully we can learn that, you know, maybe we can do a little bit better. Maybe we can do a little bit better. All right. I want to thank you very much for listening to the podcast, special edition of Wendell's World in Sports. In the next few days, I will get back on the mic, back on the stick, because there's some things to talk about. I, I guess I'm kind of waiting to see where Tom Brady is going to end up before I go ahead and start doing another podcast. DeAndre Hopkins going to the Arizona Cardinals. Jeez. If I'm Deshaun Jackson, I'm like, Bill, Bill O'Brien, WTF. But all of that stuff we'll get into and some other things as far as what's going on in the world today and some of my thoughts and feelings about whatever I feel like talking about. So Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World of Sports, could you please be safe out there? Please be smart out there. Think of your fellow man. Think of your fellow woman. Think of your fellow child, man. We need each other, man. We need each other. So let's see what we can do to be good and be better and be the best for one another. Music.